welcome to Where Are I Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where the journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Tosin Cole, and I'm tonight's co-host, an RA from Queens, New York City, studying MCC, and I'm an RA in the infamous Lipton Hall, though tonight the audience may hear it referred to as Hayden a couple of times. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host and serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Tosin. A pleasure to have you on tonight. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I want to hear about Lipton Hall. How has it been for you so far? Well, Lipton's been amazing so far. Being an RA is going pretty well. I have awesome residents, and so far my duties have been going pretty smoothly. I have to say Lipton is a true, pure joy and pleasure, especially since all the corgis we have, they're great residents, too. With the faculty fellow and residents you're talking yes. about? Okay, great. Um, tell me about staff. Going well? Yes, yes, going really well. We are pretty close as a staff. I think there are about 14 of us, and we love to spend time with each other, not just um, as RAs in Lipton Hall, but as students outside, too. Long-term goals for you? In addition to being an MCC student, I'm also on the pre-law track, so I'm definitely looking into applying to law school, getting my JD, and I'm still considering specific legal tracks I want to pursue in the field. Working in the entertainment business? I, entertainment law is looking like a very real possibility, especially with the MCC major. It seems like a logical track to take. That's, that's great to hear. And tonight we have a guest who actually lived where you live. Yeah. Today our guest is Brian Paroli, who served as an RA in Hayden Hall for John Kozlowskis, Katrina Lee, and Catherine Dobb during the 2006 and 2008 academic years. Brian, tell us what you've been doing. How are you and where are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm currently in Philadelphia, but my life has taken me overseas, and I actually live in Paris right now full-time, where I've been for the last 10 years, with a stopover in London for two years and a few months in Italy as well. So I've sort of been out of the NYU loop for a while because I've been abroad and, and living life in Europe. Brian, we're really glad to have you. Uh, we're going to go all over the place with you today, but first I want to learn a little bit about your roots at Washington Square. Tell us what you were involved in and where you lived. Well, actually, my roots are Union Square because first year at NYU, I was at U-Haul. Uh, so I didn't get to move to Washington Square until I was an RA for those two years. And I was in CAS, where I majored in French and journalism. And that's sort of, yeah, that was the, the beginning of my, uh, my NYU journey. What did you get involved in extracurricularly? I worked a lot. I worked and I interned. Um, I actually worked at the Maison Francaise, the French house on campus, the employment office. I was also a part-time bartender at one point. I tutored. So I was pretty active, you know, putting myself out there in the city. Um, in NYU, I was actually, now that I think of it, extracurricularly, probably not a whole lot. <laughs> There's one that you're missing. Though. Oh, Tom. How you and I met. Oh, Tom, you're right. Oh, that's why I was thinking about it because it took up so much of my time. I was on the paper. Exactly. I was a writer for the paper from sophomore year onwards, and we met when I was uh, the special projects editor, and I did a lot of the reporting on the housing issues. Exactly. And you and I would spend many memorable afternoons discussing um, yeah, housing at NYU. Absolutely. God, how could I forget? Thank you for remembering, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> well, with the paper, Brian, it sounded like you were pretty busy. What made you want to apply to be an RA during your undergraduate career? Well, honestly, it was my freshman year RA's fault. 
um, Hamad, who was my RA at U-Haul, was just such a great guy and really, you know, he was a great welcome to, to freshman year at NYU. And, he, you know, he was there from the beginning until the end for me. And he was just such an inspiration. And I, I saw what he did and I saw what he got out of it. And I said, you know, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And I want to give that to students in the future. Wow, that's pretty great. So is it fair to say that after your freshman year, you always wanted to be an RA? Yeah, actually, it, it, you know, come sophomore year, I basically decided right away, I need to make this work. It has to happen. Um, and so I actually ended up going to Paris sophomore year for the express reason of being an RA, or at least having the possibility of being an RA junior and senior year. What was it like to be in Paris? Um, it was different, for sure, especially studying at the Parisian University at the Sorbonne there. It was, you know, a healthy dose of culture shock, but it also obviously marked me because I ended up going back after university and haven't left since. Um, so, you know, it's not all baguettes and cheese and croissant. There was a, there was a whole adventure of just being different from everyone else and having every little task be a challenge. Uh, and I just, I really love that. So you stay in Paris and what are you doing after you graduate in Paris? So after I graduated from NYU, I moved to Paris actually to work for NYU in Paris for two years doing some student life activities and housing issues and helping students with visas. So basically sort of a catch-all person at the center there. And I realized very quickly that I wanted to stay in academia in some aspects. So I ended up going back for my master's and eventually my PhD at the Sorbonne University. So that took a good five years. And then after that, I started teaching a bit, went to London to teach for a little bit, and then came back to Paris, where now I currently do some freelance writing as a journalist. Um, I own my own tour company and, you know, just living a life in Paris. Did you uh, stay connected to the residents that you got involved with at Lipton Hall? Well, at Hayden Hall, yeah. Hayden Hall? <laughs> um, back in the day when it was Hayden. Yeah, I have um, quite a few friends that I still know there. A few of them actually moved to Paris afterwards because I was on the French floor. So it was one of the explorations floors um, that was led up by John Moran and Kenneth French. And so I had students, one in particular, Genevieve, who came to Paris to work at the NYU Center afterwards. And so we've been friends ever since. And a few others as well. You know, I just saw one the other day in New York. I stayed with my friend Bridget for a few days. Um, and she was one of my first residents, you know, that we met the first day that she moved in. And here we are, you know, 12 years later, still in contact. With regards to being an RA in Paris and being an RA in Lipton, what were some of the differences when it came to planning programs and events? Well, when I did spend that summer as an RA in Paris, there weren't as many programs to schedule, fortunately, because the center did most of that for us. Um, so actually, when I was an RA in Paris, it was much more about socializing with the students and helping them, you know, break the ice in the city. In New York, you know, I had a lot more control, so I got to pick what we did, and I got to pick which shows we would see or where we would go ice skating or what, uh, whatever events we wanted to do. So I really liked in New York having the possibility of, you know, making the experience something that I wanted it to be, that I hoped the students would also benefit from. What skills did you gain from being an RA? 
mean, overall, it sounds, I guess it sounds kind of corny to say, but the people skills, you know, being able to talk with people in all states, I mean, people who are having problems and people who are depressed and students who are upset and then students who are happy and elated because they just got their first A or they got into a program they wanted to, you know, being able to learn to interact with somebody every single day and never really knowing what to, what to expect and just learning to be ready for that. Um, that's something that's helped me a lot, especially living abroad, where I interact with people all the time, and I don't even know what language they're going to speak to me, let alone, you know, if they're going to be in a good mood or not. Um, so that was something that I really valued, I think. And could you tell us a bit more about the careers you've held since NYU and the skills that you gained while being an RA and how you merged the two? Sure. Sure. So I guess this whole interacting with people thing helped a lot when I went on to become a journalist, because that's basically, you know, as Tom definitely knows, that's one of the most important things that we do as journalists is, is speak to people. And so, you know, after the NYU in Paris experience, I started to freelance for different publications like Time Out and CNN and Travel and Leisure. And, you know, being able to just just go up to somebody and engage with them and get their story and, and pull it out of them and get them to trust me. This is something that, you know, it's a skill that you learn as an RA as well, to have people trust you, to be able to open up to you. Um, so that really helped as a journalist. And then as I moved on to become a teacher in Paris and London, again, having spent so many years living with students, it's really much easier, I think, to get up in front of students and teach them and mentor them as a professor after you've, you know, you've seen them maybe at their worst on a Saturday night in, in college. So, you know, all those experiences have come back over the years. And I always play those up in all of my job interviews, too. I always say I was an RA for a freshman dorm. And, uh, and you know, this is something that's really going to help in my, in my experience. That's fantastic. Now, you've published a book. Yeah, I'm an author. It's so weird. I keep... You're an author. I love it. What, what did you write about? So the, my PhD was on travel journalism, which is sort of a, a fun, weird topic to study in Paris because nobody really publishes it or, or researches it in France. And so when I moved to London, I took my thesis with me, obviously, because, you know, I needed to show people, look, I did research. Um, and I got in touch with an editor from one of the big academic publishers. And he and I, you know, got together and chatted about the idea of a book. And here we are, you know, that, that was like almost two years ago now, and the book hit shelves in August, and it's actually about travel journalism in a digital age and how people of all different ages use the internet in different ways when they travel. And so I'm sort of exploring what it means to be a journalist, yeah, in an age where you're using Twitter, Facebook, and TripAdvisor just as much as the New York Times and Lonely Planet. So there are a lot of questions there that I ask, and the book is sort of an intro to you know, for scholars or for journalists on what it means to be a travel journalist. What have you learned about being a travel journalist that you wanted to share with others? Oh, that it's so complicated. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that the one thing that I really learned from it is that it's much, there's a lot more potential there than people realize, and that there is a lot of influence that you have as a travel journalist and a lot of potential to, to impact things that I think you don't realize when you're writing an article about the 10 best cafes in Paris or the 10 best, you know, coffee bars in New York. Uh, but there's really something more that travel journalists can do 
when talking about places and people. Um, and that there's a lot of things that people can do. There's a lot of things that travel journalists can do to, to change the locations that they're in as well. If you had any advice to give to someone who's just starting out, you know, in their undergrad that wanted to become a travel journalist, what would you tell them? Or what are some things you would tell yourself while you were an undergrad? What would I tell myself? I would have said, why would you do that? You want to get paid one day, don't you? Um, Now I think somebody who wants to be a travel journalist or journalist of any kind, I think the one thing to know that everyone says, but it just always bears repeating, is that you just need to read more. And I still remember back in my, my, you know, my RA room having a stack of New York Times from weeks and weeks that I said I was going to read that I just never got to. And that's, that's not good. You need to read more. You need to find what you like to read. And you just need to do it a little bit every day. And I think that's one of the most important things to understanding how journalism works, and especially travel journalism, to be able to distinguish good writing and good journalism from the bad stuff. And tell me, what are you most proud of in your career to date? Anything new you want to tell us about? Um, anything new? Well, I mean, I, up until now, I was proud of getting my PhD, and I became a French citizen and putting this book out. Um, so those were all sort of red-letter days for me when, when I got those things. Um, but now I'm pretty proud because as of today, I just printed it out, actually. I got my contract for my new job. Wow, congratulations. Wow. What, what yeah. are you going to be doing? Well, it turns out that this travel journalism thing actually has a future, which I'm very pleased with. I'm going to be moving to Beijing in the spring to work as the digital travel editor for China's big media outlet. Um, So it's called CCTV, China Central Television, which is a big organization, sort of like CNN or BBC, but in China. And they are trying to branch out into more English content, and they want to have a travel section. And so they are hiring me to basically build it and to use all the stuff that I've learned in my book and all that, you know, all the, the research and the interviews and the professional experience to launch a travel section in English about China. So it's going to be quite the change. Fantastic. Do you, do you speak Chinese, Mandarin? Um, I am getting there extremely slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got my ni hao and my xie xie down, but the rest of it is slowly, slowly coming along. I have no doubt you'll get there. That is truly amazing. It sounds like you're going to be having a lot of memorable moments in the future. What is the most memorable moment that you've had so far in all the fields that you've been working in? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Most recently, getting to speak at my graduation at the Sorbonne uh, after receiving my doctorate, I was invited to get up on stage and give a little speech. Um, A a few of us were, but I was one of the only English speakers that got to do it. And to be able to get up in front of your colleagues and present in this beautiful, old, you know, I don't know, 17th or 18th century lecture hall in a foreign language and make people laugh and, and make people, you know, smile about your shared experiences. It just really, it was just a moment for me, I guess. And it was something that, you know, I never expected to do, but being up there and doing that and then getting my PhD from the Sorbonne, it was just sort of surreal. 
NYU, Sorbonne, you have the pedigree to make it anywhere in the world, uh, Brian. That's really impressive. Do you stay in contact with other RA alums? And if so, this is the time to give some shout outs to some of those alums that you remember from your glory days. Oh, the alums from the glory days. Well, I mean, I just got back from New York a couple of days ago and had dinner and drinks with my dear friend, Susie Arabito, who was an RA with me in my second year, so 2007, 2008. We've been in touch pretty consistently every week, uh, if not every month for the past, yeah, for the past 10 years. We even went to Germany and Spain together and she came to visit me in Paris and London. So that friendship has been more or less solidified, I think. My good friend Lindsay Tadish just had her twins, I believe last week, uh, down in Texas. So I've been following her and keeping in touch with her as well. Me and my FFIRs, so my, you know, my faculty fellows in residence, John and Kenneth, been in touch with them consistently as well. Uh, John Moran actually came over to Paris a couple years ago, and they spent, I think, a whole year, if not a year and a half, in Paris. So we spent a lot of time together there as well. Malia Salim, I met up with her when I lived in London. Good old Malia, as well as John Carrion, who was another former RA as well. Yeah, it's, it's been great to have that community, especially going over to London and, and Paris and having these people there. It's just been wonderful. It's great. Time for speed round, my friend. Oh, let's do it. Okay, are you ready? No, but go. <laughs> okay, what was your favorite tradition at NYU? The Strawberry Shortcake Festival. Best dining hall? Ooh, for the memories, people are going to hate me, but Upstein. <laughs> no, they will. Favorite NYU professor? John Moran. Easy. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? I saw a lot of people, but when I saw Natalie Portman present at Ooh. something at, at Kimmel, I was sort of starstruck. Best place in New York City to hang out? Washington Square Park. It really is. There you go. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? Oh, you know what? This one is actually kind of easy. I mean, there are dozens, of course, with the other RAs, with the FFIRs, with everyone. But I just so distinctly remember my first year, February, there was a snowfall outside in Washington Square Park. And my students knocked on my door, and they were all dressed to go. And we went outside and had the most epic floor-wide snowball fight that I can remember in, you know, ever. And the fact that they were so comfortable with me to initiate that and to invite me and to go out there and have such a great time, it was just, to me, it was perfect. And it was exactly what I had hoped for as an RA. Well, Brian, it truly has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. And as always, thank you to our listeners who stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And hearing the great things you're doing, you are a superstar, and we are proud of having you as an alum of NYU. Well, thanks. Truth. Special thanks tonight to my engineer, Duncan Lemieux, and to the current professional staff and the alums of NYU, such as John Kozlowskis, Katrina Lee, and Kate Dobb who assisted these great RAs in skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, go to the blog, whattheyareading.blogspot.com. Do you remember your favorite book, Brian? Favorite book ever? Oh, 
David Sedaris and you talk pretty one day. It's still one of my favorites. There you go. And finally, feel free to tweet at me, T-E-L-L-I-T, for a shout out. Until next time, remember to go out there and find the community to hang with. Take care, everybody. Thank you.